Welcome to the Communique podcast. The objectives of the Communiques are to develop, produce and distribute electronic educational publications that encourage clinical practice to change for the benefits of patients, residents, health and aged care services and the whole community. Over half of our subscribers attribute a change in their clinical practice due to the Communique. The print versions in these podcasts present cases of premature and preventable deaths that occur in health and aged care settings. We explore three areas. What happened? Why did it happen? And what action can we take to prevent it from happening again? The cases are the accounts from the completed medico-legal death investigation of the coroner's court and our team of senior medical and nursing practitioner present this coronial information in a manner and format that is familiar to clinicians. Our three publications are the Clinical Communique, focusing on acute care, the Future Leaders Communique, designed for recent health graduates, and the Residential Aged Care Communique, which examines deaths in aged care or nursing homes. The online print versions are available at our website, thecommuniques.com, which also includes the resources recommended for each edition. Welcome to this podcast of our COVID-2020 edition of the Clinical Communique. I'm Dr. Nicola Cunningham and the senior editor of this Communique. In this special edition of the Clinical Communique, we look at six past editions and reflect on their key themes for improving patient safety. These themes are important considerations in dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. We start with the editorial, which looks at the challenges facing us all right now as clinicians working in a rapidly changing healthcare system. We then move on to our six key themes with a brief synopsis of those editions and a few useful tips on the relevance and application of those themes to COVID-19. We've included a number of expert commentaries from the six editions for you to read and reflect back on what our experts tell us about putting those thematic considerations into practice. We conclude with a discussion on the polygon of patient safety, a schematic representation of the four key goals that clinicians must develop to create real and sustained improvements to patient safety. Let's now listen to our narrator Luke Ward present the editorial. Welcome to the March 2020 edition of our Clinical Communique, Volume 7, Issue 1. The contents of this edition include 1. An editorial 2. Clinical decision-making 3. Working in teams 4. Transferring critically unwell patients 5. Communication in the workplace 6. Fixation errors 7 learning from influenza epidemics, and eight, the polygon of patient safety. Firstly, we will look at the editorial by Dr. Nicola Cunningham. The COVID-19 pandemic has fundamentally changed the world as we know it. The ways in which we now interact with others, do our jobs and spend our days are being dictated by the alarming features of this highly infectious virus. At a time when we have to navigate through constant changes in the face of competing demands and an extraordinary influx of information, it is easy to become concerned and frustrated about how we will be able to continue to deliver quality care to our patients. There is a lot of COVID-19 noise around us at the moment. 
One of the challenges is learning how to find the signal in that noise and remember the things that will help us perform our roles in times of crisis. The Communiques team recognises the need for clinicians to focus on the present and pay close attention to local practice changes. In every healthcare jurisdiction, there are people working hard to train and prepare their staff for the predicted surge in patient numbers. As such, we do not wish to add to the current arsenal of policies and protocols about COVID-19. Instead, we want to reflect on the wealth of knowledge our experts have shared with us over the years. These lessons are on good communication and decision-making, working in rapid response teams, avoiding cognitive bias-related errors, optimising the management of transfers for critically unwell patients, and planning for respiratory pandemics. When our workflows and teams and practices are forced to change for COVID-19, it is imperative that we go back to first principles. By applying systems thinking over everything we do, we mitigate the potential for risks and errors arising in unfamiliar situations. In this special feature, we have selected six past editions of the clinical communique that address key themes for improving patient safety. We recall the expert commentaries for each of those themes and reflect on a few practical considerations that are specific to managing COVID-19 patients. We also present our polygon of patient safety as a critical reminder of the need to constantly learn on the go and maintain staff well-being throughout this period. As our team is predominantly engaged in critical care, aged care and public health, our focus will be on efforts to support the healthcare community through the pandemic. Depending on how that unfolds, will determine whether we are able to maintain our planned schedule for publications. We will endeavour to return to our usual format for the next edition and continue reporting lessons learned from deaths in acute care settings investigated by coroner's courts. Although COVID-19 dominates our thinking at present, it's important not to lose sight of how to safely care for other patients and clinical conditions during this healthcare crisis. There will come a time when the coronial system may look at healthcare-related deaths in the COVID-19 pandemic to determine whether preventable harm occurred. Until then, we need to utilise lessons already learned to be proactive in our environment, nimble in our response, and adapt quickly in our clinical encounters to keep our patients and ourselves safe. Let's now listen to our narrator Luke Ward present the first theme, clinical decision-making with an expert commentary on heuristic thinking by Dr. Stuart Marshall. Our first topic is clinical decision-making. A proportion of patients infected with COVID-19 deteriorate rapidly and unexpectedly with little warning. Experiences in other countries have shown that standard protocols must change to enable treating teams to aggressively manage a deteriorating COVID-19 patient while minimising droplet spread. Decisions about escalation of care, such as suitability for intubation and ventilation, must be made with multidisciplinary team input, preferably using a predetermined protocol. This issue was covered in detail in the clinical communique of December 2014. 
which presented three deaths related to clinical deterioration and the failure to recognise or respond appropriately to early warning signs. The cases included deaths due to brain herniation, aspiration pneumonitis and hemorrhagic shock. When confronted with an unwell patient, there must be strong systems in place to provide support for the individual clinician to effectively identify, escalate and safely manage the situation. Strategies to strengthen systems include protocols to aid communication, processes that support good clinician decision-making, and sufficient resources to allow escalation of care. When we are fatigued, sleep-deprived, or inattentive due to juggling multiple tasks, we are more at risk of errors in our clinical decision-making. With external stresses of being time-poor, resource-limited, working in a different environment, or with a scenario we have not encountered before, these factors can be compounded even more. It becomes a fine balance to find an approach to decision-making that allows us to work efficiently, but think effectively and practice safely every time. Let's now listen to our narrator Luke Ward present the next theme, Working in Teams, with an expert commentary on how to make a better emergency medical team by Dr Anthony Tobin. The next section is working in teams. Large-scale redeployments of staff into critical care areas means that many clinicians will find themselves working in new roles with new colleagues. High levels of sick leave and rapid redeployment of reliever or agency staff means that orientation is important and should be designed to be reproducible, concise and deliverable by multiple regular team members. We should use this current precious window of time before the predicted surge of COVID-19 cases to run repeated simulations and drills for regular staff, whether for personal protective equipment, difficult conversations, or how to rapidly and safely orientate a new team member. Encourage team members to introduce themselves each time and to wear clear identification tags showing their names and roles. Continue to promote respect and understanding between colleagues who will be facing difficult clinical scenarios together. Ensure that teams are familiar with the equipment and the protocols they will be using. Most importantly, when faced with information overload, always ask your team what they want to know. This issue was covered in detail in the Clinical Communique June 2015 edition which presented two cases of patient deterioration that resulted in the activation of a hospital medical emergency team. The first was a case of esophageal intubation, and the second, a patient who developed septicemia with hypoxic brain damage. In many ways, the principles behind the medical emergency team system are applicable to all healthcare environments, not just acute hospital settings. Leadership decision-making, communication and task allocation are all critical to the effective performance of a team responding to an emergency, whether that be in an operating theatre, a hospital ward, an outpatient clinic or community health centres. Let's now listen to our narrator Luke Ward present the next theme, Transferring Critically Unwell Patients, with an expert commentary on optimising access and care for the critically ill by Mr Ian Campbell and Professor Alan Wolfe, and an expert commentary on the anatomy of a modern retrieval service by Associate Professor Matt Hooper. Section 3. 
transferring critically unwell patients. COVID-19 clinical management protocols require us to unlearn many goals of care that have previously been second nature. This includes accepting lower cutoffs for pre-oxygenation prior to intubation or transfer of critically unwell patients and avoiding aerosolized procedures. Clear channels of communication and disposition criteria are essential for timely movement of patients between wards and hospitals. Rapidly changing ambulance protocols in response to COVID-19 add more complexity and potentially prolong the time required for transfer. This issue was covered in detail in the Clinical Communique December 2015 edition, which presented cases concerning the transfer of patients between hospitals. The critical elements that need to be present or performed well in order to provide safe and effective patient care include communication, documentation, awareness of one's skills and limitations, recognising the deteriorating patient, and following guidelines, to name but a few. Failure or suboptimal provision of even one element inevitably leads to a failure in a system and the potential for patients to suffer preventable harm. When another layer is added to the system and well-functioning processes are required not only for the care of a patient in a single hospital, but also for the integration of their care between hospitals, the system becomes bigger more complex with more room for error. At the primary team level, communication, documentation and decision-making should be performed as effectively as resources and personnel allow. These professional skills are just as vital, however, at the interface of the referral and receiving hospitals and at the juncture between the hospitals and ambulance or retrieval services. Let's now listen to our narrator, Luke Ward, present the next theme, communication in the workplace, with an expert commentary on doctor-patient communication, what every doctor should know, by Dr. Ranjana Srivastava. Section four is concerned with communication in the workplace. Effective communication is vital to reducing anxiety in patients, their families, and staff. Your capacity to communicate in a clear, unambiguous, empathetic manner will be under challenge from social distancing requirements, visitor exclusions, as in telephone rather than face-to-face, high case numbers and acuity, and the simple barrier of wearing a mask. Remember to inform patients about any testing that is performed and the implications of those tests. Be open and frank in conversations with patients and their families about prognosis. Explore their fears about their health and social isolation. It is important to be cognizant of the challenges of communicating while wearing personal protective equipment. Voices are muffled and staff are often indistinguishable from one another, with personal protective equipment even covering name badges. Pay extra attention to how you communicate with patients and colleagues in a humanizing manner while working in these conditions. Remember that your patients cannot see you smile or cry while you are wearing a mask and goggles, and you may have to tell them you care in other ways. 
This issue was covered in detail in the Clinical Communique, December 2018 edition, which presented three cases that have communication issues as a common thread. There are many reasons why patients and their families may not fully appreciate the information given to them by their doctor. Denial, distractions and cognitive or language difficulties are just a few of the legitimate obstacles to overcome. When we are sick and in pain, causing us to be scared and worried, it is hard to comprehend even the most simple and direct instructions. So, when our well-intended clinical instructions are nuanced, vague, rushed, or conveyed in overly technical language, we are setting our patients up to miss the cues, and we have failed them. Medicine is imprecise. But that is all the more reason why we need to be precise in how we communicate. Let's now listen to our narrator Luke Ward present the next theme, Fixation Errors, with an expert commentary on using a human factors and systems lens to view why things sometimes go wrong, but often go right, by Dr. Miranda Cornelison and Dr. Julia Pitsopoulos. Section 5. Fixation Errors. The concept of risk equilibrium means that finding and correcting an identifiable risk in one area may result in an unintended risk appearing elsewhere in a system. If we anticipate that we will fixate on COVID-19, then this problem is predictable. If we take the example of acute myocardial infarction, Normally, a patient with chest pain and significant ECG findings would present to a hospital with a hot cath lab and have a door-to-needle time of less than 15 minutes. Fast forward to the same patient in the time of COVID-19, where all staff wear full personal protective equipment. An echocardiogram is performed in the emergency department under full sterile conditions to exclude a COVID-19 myocarditis. Transfer time is tripled, and the door-to-needle time breaches the first hour. This non-COVID patient has had objectively compromised care and a potentially poorer outcome simply by having their heart attack at this time. The risk of fixating on COVID-19 is then overlooking or discarding the cues to other clinical conditions or complications, or changing processes and protocols so much that our standard of care is detrimentally impacted. This issue was covered in detail in the Clinical Communique, March 2019 edition, which presented two cases of influenza A and Legionella pneumonia and discusses fixation error, the phenomenon whereby a person or group falls into a pattern of thinking that there is only one possible explanation. This can take on several forms, including task fixation on a procedure or diagnostic fixation to the exclusion of other possibilities. Just as it is necessary to resist a temptation to fixate on a task or thought, it is also imperative to avoid the tendency to look to humans as the source of all error. Rather, humans are adaptable creatures, trying and generally succeeding within complex systems. It is said that human factors engineering seeks to identify and promote the best fit between people and the world within which they live and work. 
A human factors approach views humanity in the context of community, which is key to ensuring that the lessons are being learned. Let's now listen to our narrator Luke Ward present the final theme, learning from influenza epidemics, with an expert commentary on influenza 10 years on from the swine flu pandemic by Professor Alan Cheng, and an expert commentary on planning for both seasonal and pandemic influenza by Dr. Michelle Vandendriesen. Section 6. Learning from Influenza Epidemics COVID-19 has been widely compared to the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic, mainly for dramatic effect, but differences are abound, not least the mortality demographics of those most affected. It is a different beast, but the priorities are the same. We have learnt important lessons not just from the Spanish flu, but from our responses to the more recent pandemics, including SARS from 2003, swine flu from 2008, and pandemic influenza. This issue was covered in detail in the Clinical Communique June 2019 edition, which focuses on the issue of communicable diseases and presents one coroner's finding into the death of two patients from influenza A. The two expert commentaries serve as a timely reminder of what to think about as we experience yet another flu season. What remains the same? What is different now? And what do we need to do to keep patients safe? This podcast concludes with the polygon of patient safety. The term unprecedented will be remembered as a catch cry of 2020. Social distancing, transmission numbers, death rates and staff redeployments, among others, are occurring at levels that have not been experienced before in our lifetime. As healthcare staff prepare for what lies ahead, many are grappling with a sense of trepidation for their patients, but also for themselves. Never before has the risk to staff and their families been so palpable. It is therefore crucial that concerns of staff around availability and access to personal protective equipment are addressed by organisational leaders. Healthcare worker transmission rates should not be viewed as an acceptable consequence of our calling. Questions asking when appropriate level PPE and decontamination facilities become available must be answered. Remove any barriers to safe decontamination so that staff do not make poor decisions in pressured situations. If staff are reassured with demonstrated efforts to address concerns, then they are more able to focus on opportunities to look after themselves and their colleagues during this crisis. This polygon represents the four key goals that clinicians must develop to create real and sustained improvements to patient safety. 1. Building awareness. This incorporates knowledge of cognitive bias, red flags and commonly missed diagnoses, and lessons to be learned from cases. 2. Strengthening systems, which includes learning from what goes wrong, as well as from what makes high-performing systems work well, and then feeding that input back into systems for continuous improvement. 3. Encouraging reflection. This optimises the ability of individuals and systems to improve practice following adverse events 
and helps to truly identify the underlying causes, whether through knowledge distribution or an improved ability to prevent, trap, and mitigate errors. 4. Maintaining well-being Through fatigue management, breaking the stigma of mental health and providing support for those in distress, building resilience in individuals, and promoting wellness is the pathway towards a well-slept, well-trained, and well-supported workforce. This will lead to a healthier environment for both staff and patients. Whether we are at the beginning of our careers or carry a wealth of lived experience and skill, we should aim to apply these concepts to our clinical practice. The imperative is promoting the well-being and safety of our patients and notably ourselves. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. Remember the online print versions are available at our website at www.thecommunicase.com, which also include a list of resources and any references that the experts have recommended. I'm Nicola Cunningham. Thanks for listening.